set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Selfie to succeed, humans first. A community of curious, free and compassionate humans finding gratitude and success in the small things. Attracting blessings and rekindling with the chaos we inevitably have to go through in life. Regardless of age, sex, status, nor culture. Our vision is to create a place where we experience life and share insights through other humans' eyes, as virtually and unfortunately, we'll only have a chance to experience one at a time. So without any further ado. Yeah, yeah it feels like, I think there's something that I, I, I constantly feel what is a message to me since the, mm-hmm. the time I went to on a healing retreat, you know? And so once I like, came out of the retreat I realized that there's something that I'm not very comfortable with doing which is to just surrender like I'm not great at surrendering I like to have a sense of control and knowing where things are going knowing that I am somehow driving Uh, but then you know I think with with that experience what I learned was you can do all those things and then you should let the rest be free format like do your part and then surrender. And I think that because I don't do that, I tend to bring other emotions like overthinking and worry mm-hmm. and and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I was just thinking, I guess it is my next chapter, you know, where I need to learn to do my part and then to mm-hmm. trust that the universe has my back, right? So it just, yeah. So yeah. then I feel like it also liberates you, it lightens you and your energies are in action and thinking, but not so much in the holding onto it so tightly that it kind of defeats why you're even doing it in the first place. Yeah, because if not, it becomes like so desperation it, to make it happen. It or, does. Yeah. Yeah, or or even yeah. like, you know, um, a kind of heaviness because you're just constantly mm-hmm. now bothered about trying to play so many iterations out in your head. And then in the end, it yeah. just, it probably works out in a different way or a much better way that you couldn't even think of. Usually does. So yeah. <laughs> usually does, right? So then I I think that was my lesson uh, through the retreat because I sat with um, ayahuasca. You know, I don't know if I'm sure you do oh. know what ayahuasca is. How, yeah. was, how was the whole uh, experience? Yes, because it's something that's on my to-do list. Like I, I really want to experience that part of spirituality. So that would oh be very God. interesting to, to hear about. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it, it sounds like it was really, a trip. <laughs> it was. And, and, you know, I I, I think, you know, an experience like that, I think, made me think that um, I think what whatever you're, like, destined for will call you at the times that you're mm-hmm. supposed to. Because to tell you the truth, Susan, like, six months prior to that, because I had to book, I had to sign up for the retreat and book everything about six months okay. before. And it was okay. like just when COVID, like all the COVID, um, you know, restrictions like were being lifted off slowly. Like, no, they were just being lifted off. So you were okay. committing to the retreat, but they couldn't open up because this happened in Bali and they couldn't open it up for six months. Like the airports were shut and all of that. So mm-hmm. I signed up six months before and I became very close to the couple that was organizing the retreat. Like we've become great friends. And nice. they were telling me, you know, that, oh, so you're, this is going to be a fantastic experience. And and I just asked a lot of questions and I assumed that, okay, so I'm going to be doing like some emotional mapping, some release, meditation, like a hot and cold water plunge and yoga. <laughs> and, 
and you know all of those things so i was just like okay digesting that this is what's going to happen and then they said oh it's all going to be prepping you to sit with ayahuasca and i was like oh what is that you know that's what i said because i'm like what the, what is that and then they had a laugh because they just like burst out laughing and they were like oh my god like you are yeah. in for a life changing experience yeah. but the thing was i actually did not understand the magnanimity of it at all cuz it's mm-hmm. so bizarre that until that day i have literally zero clue of plant medicine like zero wow it's like i've lived in a world where this doesn't exist like i don't mm. know what it is i don't know what it like you know i've even i would have even heard things like okay people do like lsd or ecstasy or things yeah. like that but that's like a drug conversation you know like i don't actually it's different and it's a pill yeah. and you know when people do it and recreationally and all of that exactly but then exactly. i suddenly just got exposed to a world and then i remember like because they said all those things i went to google it after and i couldn't even spell it right because it's not spelled like it's pronounced right so i'm like what is so this like there's so hard i was like what is what did they what did they talk about so i texted her again i was like what what are we sitting with mm-hmm. and then she said like you know since you don't know and you are just discovering it i would recommend don't read don't go too crazy about it just trust the process and it was very difficult like i decided to try to do that but for the 6 months i kept wanting to you know find out more read more and i it's tried to tell time. myself not to it's a long yeah. time to be like okay this is what i'm going to do and then i noticed that i started to share it with a few people here and there like when there were moments mm-hmm. that it was getting closer and i was a bit nervous i would just randomly tell people and the funny thing was the few people that i chose to share it with they were they either done it or they were insanely pumped that i'm going to do it and they were like why didn't you tell me before i would have come mm, with you and i was like nice. okay why why are you so excited so i tried to like <laughs> gather feelings without yeah. reading and then i went there then we did like five days it was five days of you know eating plant based food hot cold water plunges prayers every day a lot of release like we were doing a lot of this emotional release which was yeah. quite scary as well because one you were feeling light but you were sitting in a room which was like you know it's vulnerable religiously primed like you were you know praying and there was all this like i don't know tobacco and blah 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 and all that mm-hmm. but then you're you know also closing your eyes and listening to other people screaming or crying or shouting and i got like i got scared and then it took me a while to realize that this collective healing is also special like there's so something so magical about it and then you you went through the five days of release and prep and foundationally laying it right to sit on the sixth night you know mm-hmm. and it was like a 10 hour process and the shaman had come from like i think peru or somewhere or, or brazil um, the amazon or somewhere like that he brought his own you know concoction he's a, yeah he's like his tools and yeah. everything and then uh, he explained you know that you come into the session and you come with very clear intentions but zero expectations so your intentions mm-hmm. should be so well laid out in your mind that if the universe or if the medicine is going to answer you they know what exactly how to answer you but yeah. have zero expectations if you get no answers then you know what it's not your time or the answers will be symbolic and you write it down and you will see them later mm-hmm. so it's like okay great but as it got close to that night oh my god i was like really pooping bricks like i was so nervous 
and then we all had to like dress real light and wear like okay. these you know lighter robes go in there the room was like pitch dark they had like a few candles he was singing the whole time and then it was like tea it was like having tea uh-huh. and you drank like a shot of the tea and then i mean i i definitely know that for like a few years i would never do it again because the first part i keep saying half i really don't know the sense of time but we sat for like about okay. 10 hours but the you. first part you know was like i i think it to me it felt like it reached a place where i decided that i was going to die like i'm like that's it Oof. you know it's over Oof. and it yeah. was more because it was like from a it was more a mental like mental kind of like a mind fuck i think because it just i just kept seeing things and mm-hmm. not a lot of it made sense but a lot of it was kind of scary like it was just you know kind of like trying to take yeah. over me in some way and mm-hmm. i think the person in me the natural instinct in me to control stuff and to like you know keep things like in somehow like i know what's going to happen i that person was trying to control these visions and the pain and okay. so i was lying yeah. down then i remember i i like i didn't open my eyes but i knew like tears were coming out because i think i was just like help me like lord this somebody help me and it wouldn't stop if you lie down you sit up you mm. turn around whatever it does, just just wouldn't stop so i remember this moment where i think it was almost like me seeing me and yeah. then i was just like that's it let go you know just that's it it's if yeah. this is how it's supposed to be this is how it's supposed to be let it go and i i made that decision and for some reason i decided that i'm going to get up and they kept like a bucket next to us and a bottle uh-huh. of water they said your two friends for tonight are the bucket and the water because you will be purging and then you would want to hydrate so i took the bucket and i just mm-hmm. decided i'm going to go to the loo because we were allowed to go to the loo that was like okay. two seconds away nice. i literally like get up and in a split second i i i think like i turned into that you know the character from the grudge where your whole <laughs> body is like it felt so weird the way my body switched was so weird uh-huh. and then i i threw up like a waterfall susan it was like no gagging mm-hmm. no effort no struggle it was just you know like it like a gateway had opened and yes, it yes, was just yes, yes. flowing yes flow 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 finally it's just like whenever it wraps up i sit down and mm-hmm. i lie down and then suddenly the visions they just change like i'm in some freaking unicorn galaxy met you know at the ultimate land of fairies mm-hmm. roaming okay. in like romance of paddy fields it was just like it was unreal yeah i think so and it was just unbelievably magical that i even remember a moment when i was looking at the visions and going wow like what is this what is this and i started to have like you know a few a few people show up or things show up that i i kind of recognize and i was like what are you doing here and stuff like mm-hmm. that and then finally when it started to wear off you know it was quite interesting because there was music playing and i opened my eyes and right above the shaman was like this window and i felt like the first thing i saw from the window was the vision i just had which was like a purpley sky with like a ton of stars that were just like nice. sparkling and rotating and i i was a bit confused you know that am i still sitting with it or is that real <laughs> yeah. and then you know that that was the vibe that it carried 
And then I started to dance. Like, you know, I was just dancing alone, dancing on my own. I felt the need to like sort of, you know, take off some of my inner wear. So I'm like, I don't want to be tight. I just want to be free. And yeah. it, when we when we finished and we all had to sit by the fire just as a collective mm-hmm. sense of community, nobody talked, you know. Most people were just like silent except for the shaman. And then I went to the room and I wrote. I wrote a lot because I wanted to capture everything I saw. Mm. And I didn't, a lot of it didn't make sense. So I was like, probably later down the line in life, I'll You're figure it right. out. But yeah. uh, the shaman was saying, you know, supposedly zero to seven years is when the things you see, they start to manifest. So you, oh. it's good to write down because then later on when you'll see that pattern or you'll see that color or you'll see that, you know, symbol, you'll know what it means and you'll know that, oh, mm-hmm. this is why I saw it. But what I thought from a immediate learning, you know, was that only when I, like I did all the priming, I did all mm-hmm. the prayer work, I reached the basics, I yes. came, I sat, but only when I let go, I saw I'm light. Yes, yes. You know, yes. so I just came yes. up with this theoretical or like how you say symbolic way of thinking that I think I do my part, but I hold mm-hmm. on too much. And yeah. I need to learn to surrender. I need to learn to trust that I've done my best and what is yeah. meant for me will not miss me. Or what is yeah. meant for me is going to be a million shades better than what I imagined. And I never you never thought like that. I've never thought like that. So I just That's thought... So interesting though. I know because I couldn't treat that experience as anything else because the, the moment I let go was literally having a conversation with me saying... If this is the place that I have to call it a wrap, then this yeah. is what it is, is you it. know, let it be. It. That's it. Because yeah. that's how painful it got. So I was just like, fuck, I, I need to wrap this up right now. I can't anymore. And then yeah. it just turns into like, hey, you showed up and I'm going to show up a million shades cooler. And that's how this experience was, you know. So that's where this whole surrender thing, this is really the backstory. And I've been practicing <laughs> Or literally flexing that muscle for a whole mm-hmm. year now where I catch myself all the time with that struggle, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Is that really I know, and, and I can't it, believe it. It's so good as well. It feels, it feels so good. So good. Like it weight. really does. It's a weight. Yeah, absolutely. It's a weight. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. It's just, it's so yeah. light, lightening of generally mm-hmm. how you navigate life. So definitely... You know, so I want to be more of that. I want to practice more of that. And all right, <laughs> but I love, I love that. I love that because uh, even like the the vision itself, how you it moved from like this yeah. obscure place to then this uh, love you W, like yes, like literally just it's, love you land. Like it, it's so it's, nice. It was. Um, I like that word. It was like lovey land. You know, that's really what it was like. It was a bit, and it was unreal. Like the extremities of both was just unreal. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know that kind of magic can exist. And the other way, I didn't know that kind of fear can exist. You know, yeah. both were like just yeah. elevated, very elevated. And yeah. uh, I thought that's what it meant. The magic is on the other side of surrendering. Always, always, always. <laughs> <laughs> there it's, you go, uh, you know. And it's so interesting that we started with uh, with that story because uh, it connects so much as well to what we like what we've been talking about in say, even just the 
the the, the intention behind the podcast is to highlight yes. how we all have that pain and pleasure uh it's yeah. it's the balance of life and it's part of ourselves and we just need to also almost let go and open those doors to see it both in order to understand how to then move forward so it's Absolutely. uh it's, it was <laughs> it was a great way to start i, I couldn't i know it's an insane <laughs> <laughs> i was like no nah, this is too good thank you so much honestly i'm so i'm so grateful for the fact that we're even here um after yes very eventful <laughs> trials <laughs> we both know <laughs> really um, but i think yeah, today was but... the day it was meant to be exactly. today like literally exactly. we've had zero struggles and it's just been so smooth so it was meant to be today it is <laughs> and um i guess i'm not gonna give uh, an introduction because i'll leave you to explain your story because uh honestly i'm so excited to to hear what led to the version of uh, of yourself that I got to meet because uh, uh, it's a very nice person and uh, I'm so excited to even just uh, having had the chance to that our lives crossed like in like we literally live on two opposite side of the world but somehow <laughs> we we were able to like find each other so um very very grateful and uh again um I I, I don't want I don't want to take anything away from you so. <laughs> So uh, all I have to say is uh, um, for today, again, um, we can, I'll probably cut this part out because uh, it's irrelevant, um, is just uh, going through a couple of questions, but we can follow the conversation where it. it goes. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I just, because I, 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 it's something that I started, uh, I did yesterday as well while I was recording. Um, yeah. It's like a gesture on anything, um, like a cue that we can give each other uh, oh. if we want to like either like add something mm. or probe into a little bit more of what someone okay. else is saying um Fine. what can we what can we do can we do what would i could we should maybe we should be like oh but it shouldn't be visible right it should be like yeah, yeah. No. it's like something so maybe, that's like maybe it should be like, like the... that <laughs> Like a little longer than normal, be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, no, like it, it, it's like a normal thing, just a touch, touch, it's touch just like that. It's just, it's just a bodily <laughs> behavior, but like, um, can we go a little yeah. further on that one? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I just find that it just helps because, especially with uh, the fact that we don't want to, um, like, like overlap you, yeah. too much or things like that, you know, so, um, but yeah, I guess, Definitely. uh. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. And um, well, I wanted <clears throat> to like first in um, like get to almost like grow with you, you know, grow with yeah. your story. So like starting from uh, like childhood to uh, like understand a bit more in terms of how was your childhood and the dynamics that you had in your in your family. Um, yes. Yeah, how was that for you? Okay, I think first I do want to say thank you so much, Susan, for having me on this podcast. Yeah. I'm so excited to be one of your early, early <laughs> guests, yeah. if I may. Same. And I'm also really glad that our paths crossed because I think it crossed for different circumstances. But it's just mm -hmm. been, you know, exciting to see how our lives are kind of on a similar uh, wavelength mm, yes, to speak yes, and so yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation I'm quite excited to be on this this hot seat um 
to tell you, to go back to your question, to tell you a little bit on how, how was my childhood, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, so I'm ethnically Indian. I was born mm-hmm. in the south of India in a place called Chennai. And mm-hmm. my parents were living in the Middle East in a, in a country called Oman, in a city called okay. Muscat. And so my mom literally just came back to have me in uh, Chennai and then she went back to Muscat. So for me, I do think that uh, this country or this city, Muscat, just feels like home. You know, I, I grew up there. My most formative years were in this city. And honestly, the city feels like uh, straight out of a Famous Five or a Secret Seven because it's just so wrapped up in nature. There's like mountains mm-hmm. and a lot of green and beaches and my uh, dad was working in a cement company you know he's a chemical engineer he was working for a cement company so we we were living in a community that was a bit far away from the main city so everyone who worked in the company lived within that you know like a compound to say Mm -hmm. and so we had friends you know friends from everywhere in the world so it was like growing up with a very diverse bunch of people uh, not recognizing maybe that you're actually uh, Indian or you're this or that because it was just fun to be kind of you know spending your evenings together with people from different parts of the world and you just you just enjoyed the power and that diversity it was just fun to grow up like that and I think from a family point of view you know my it's my my parents and my younger sister and me so it's just it was always the four of us and I think my parents, you know, were very conscious of giving my sister and me a full shot at life, like definitely emphasizing largely on education, getting both of us to study and to be able to kind of, I think, build a foundation that my dad would say things like, you know, education is the only investment that no one can take away from you. So I think that was something that was very deep rooted in them and they wanted to create that uh, foundational way of both of us being brought up so we could be whatever we wanted in this world and um, you know little things like you know they were very particular that every meal was to be had together we were not allowed to eat in our own rooms or you know just um, be in silo watching tv like we have to be at the table we have to eat together and it was something that I think more than my mom my dad was very particular so I feel like growing up we were very tight-knit we did a lot of things together like we were very outdoorsy my parents were big on traveling so we would travel to different places um you know they they kind of made sure like my sis I was a trained South Indian classical singer my sister was great at the piano we would go ice skating we would play squash like kind of like built us to be all-rounded and find things that um allowed us to be you know like more rich than just Mm -hmm. academics which is a very big thing in an Indian way of being brought up you know that it is all academic but Mm -hmm. there were other things I think perhaps I attribute it to being brought up outside of India but I think they became very integral to who we were you know in the big world like once we got out into the big world so it was it was a very nice when I look back today I feel a couple of things I think as a family to have had parents who were very particular about us bonding together and also developing Mm -hmm. us in a spectrum of things and not just focusing on one aspect of life was a big bonus 
and are very special. But also at the same time, I think that, you know, uh, perhaps being brought up in a very diverse background allowed mm. us to celebrate who we were as opposed yes. to, you know, kind of yes. you, you're, when you're in the very homogeneous community, you probably mm. don't understand how to celebrate your differences. So there was a lot of, yeah. yeah, you just blend in and you fit in. And here there was, you know, things that people noticed about you that were special mm-hmm. that you didn't, you know, actually might have never recognized are special. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. do the same thing mm-hmm. with others. So I think that was also a, a very nice with the way we were, with the way we got to be brought up and Mm -hmm. finally I think the place you know being brought up in a city that was I would say um not very um like glamorous and not loud Mm -hmm. and not very uh you know like fast-paced I think we were able to be children like just live Mm -hmm. like children should for a very long time like it was more about you know Uh, camping outside and like learning to make your own fire and like we all like get together in some place and then we hike (laughs) and then we just like make a route and then call it home and everyone someone would bring like sheets someone would Mm -hmm. bring food and then someone would bring like stuff to play and it was just being creative like that and then you know having a group of us just hang out and it it really does feel now when I look back, like as if I was reading, it was straight out of a famous five or, or you know, Nancy Drew or one of those like, you know, great storylines that we grew up reading. So I think these things I only reflect on now. I look back Mm -hmm. and I think about them. And I also think a very large part of my childhood though was, um, you know, my fa- on my father's side, there was a very, very huge influence of being patriarchal. Okay. Like, um, very completely the opposite of how my mother's side was. And they all come from the same time. So, so I don't know how that, how that mm-hmm. happened. But on mm-hmm. my father's side, they're a very big family. My dad has seven siblings. And out of all the siblings, my parents were the only ones to have two daughters. And everyone else okay. had two sons or a daughter and a son but there was always Mm -hmm. a boy in the mix and my parents had no sons and so they kind of even though we were not living in India like they somehow did get bullied and they got bullied constantly for you know it was almost like reminding them all the time that you know you you don't you're sort of incomplete Mm -hmm. as a family because you don't have Mm -hmm. a boy or what are your daughters going to do or like why are you educating them so much because no one's going to want to marry them or now she has so much of an opinion Mm -hmm. which which man is going to want to tolerate that and you know things Mm -hmm. like that and so I grew up watching that a lot in my house and Mm -hmm. my mom is a is a good 10 years younger to my dad and so I think how she coped with it was also very different from how my dad coped with it so Mm -hmm. I I think you know with all the other really nice things that I feel were special about growing up I also inculcated a huge amount of anger I and I and I think you know just listening and watching and seeing my parents feel in incomplete in some sort or fighting Mm. this you know um this 
kind of you know defeated sort of yeah you're just being told all the time but then you're still navigating life you're still being progressive you're still educating your kids you're doing things that are not conventional to the the framework or the time that or the 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 societal construct that they are being Mm -hmm. exposed to every day they still went ahead and did the things so i think that that tension that worry i experienced it and i saw particularly my mom be very very um emotionally like kind of on a like distraught with like having to hear a lot of these things and some of them were really painful you know i think like when my sister was born my mom was you know kind of asked to you know actually think about like leaving my dad because somehow she was made to feel that she carried the entire responsibility of having created Mm -hmm. another girl in the house and so people were kind of trying to tell her that you know you you're just not good enough and you know you've sort of let my son down and things like that and I think hearing those things I developed anger as a huge Mm -hmm. like fuel to my fire and also Mm -hmm. a very big Mm -hmm. I think uh emotion because I didn't know maybe how to release I just didn't know where to send it and what to do with the feelings that I am watching and experiencing so this is a a huge part of my childhood and just you know knowing there was a parallel track that I would watch Mm -hmm. all the time and I think I became a feminist from a very young age that Mm -hmm. I wanted an equal space in the world I wanted an equal Mm -hmm. shot at life I wanted to tell people who somehow ever thought that you know women don't get get to live life and aspire to get to live yeah. life the way yeah. anyone else can yeah. it's just needs to be needs to be told that we're all human first yeah. and i think my way of navigating that was not a pleasant one it was quite an aggressive one because i just was carrying so much of this exactly. you know pent up anger inside of me so yeah that's that's how I would define my childhood you know (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that honestly um because I can see all of that how it then comes up in the person that you are right now like this strong woman and you've uh, worked so hard on yourself and you're still working on yourself and like keep on pushing and pushing and I found beautiful the fact that you were allowed to discover yourself, like to try different yes. things and just try and fail, uh, tra- trial and fail. Uh, yes. Failure, they would say. Um, so that is also something that I feel like not a lot of people are now uh, having the chance to experience, which yeah. um, limits what they think that they can be or what they actually then become. Um, yes. So it, it's beautiful that you've had that chance to uh, you know uh, just uh, try different things and see what sticks you know um, yes but also I can see how it built it uh, uh how you became so strong because of the fact of obviously going through almost having to prove yourself because yes we already carry this weight as a woman uh yeah, I know. or you're the weaker gender or whatever I'm not gonna come here and list all of them because we all know sure. um like to be fair but uh just see it's so sad when we say we all know like we all know but we all do know and it is the truth isn't it yes um there's this beautiful quote that uh, lauren hill says um uh, fantasy is what we want but reality is what we need um yeah so it's 
reality, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that I can definitely see how then someone would uh, advocate so much for women as you do, because obviously yes. you felt the the actual stigma, the weight, not just on your uh, on yourself, but also you saw your mom and your parents yes. going through that as well. So uh, I would say it's great that you've turned it into your strength and yeah. you're now wanting to provide that for others as well so thank you definitely. so much we need more of you <laughs> definitely you. definitely um, especially like having a childhood like that like growing up then into adulthood how, like yes. how was that uh how was that switch that change or now okay now you are a woman you know like yes. with the big w <laughs> how was that for you <laughs> big w or like that i think um you know when i think when i look back i i definitely think that from childhood to moving into like the teenage years mm. i think there was uh that's probably when i think i felt a lot of like inner struggle with who mm. i was becoming yeah i do think that you know i got labeled a lot as being angry Mm-hmm. And uh, until then, even though I knew I was carrying a lot of anger, I was still a kid, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just, it yeah. was like, you know, s- s- comments that didn't bother me, or maybe I didn't understand them. But as a teenager, to be constantly told that, oh, you're being angry, or you're going to get angry now, or um, sometimes reminded that this kind of anger is not good for a girl, like, it's mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. good to be this angry. And, and so I think I associated that emotion to be a not nice emotion and I also mm-hmm. felt within myself that um I, I kind of don't like that I have this side to me but yeah. I really didn't know what to do about it so I think I went through a teenage phase where I rebelled a lot because it was just a conflict on the inside and outside that you know I I felt the anger was very much justified as a great you know protection or defense mechanism mm-hmm. but at yeah. the same time it, it didn't look good on a girl so I just I think that the 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 conflict on the inside made me rebel mm-hmm. a lot and mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. think that during that phase I noticed you know with things like um like bodily changes for example like if um you know you you're getting your period and then you know for mm-hmm. in my in my home for example my dad explained to me all about it I had a conversation with my father instead of my mom. And, uh, you know, I found that it was just great that this is how I I got to understand the anatomy or how we work or how our bodies are and what this means. But then I would go back to, like, say, India for a vacation, like with my parents and my sister. And, you know, the same parenting would switch to, like, suppose we're staying at my dad's parents' house. And there is some sort of a religious ceremony or there is, we have to go to the temple or something. Then, you know, when you have your period, you're not supposed to go to the temple. You're not supposed oh, to pray is what we were taught. Yeah, somehow okay. we we were made to um, understand that it is not auspicious. Mm-hmm. Like it is not, your body is going through something which is, you know, not clean. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, there was this narrative that um, mm. you don't you don't go to a pious place, you don't actually pray, or you mm. don't actually go to a, a place of worship. And so mm. I rebelled more because I felt that my the same wow. parenting in my house 
I didn't have any friends whose dads were talking to their daughters about mm-hmm. what it meant to walk into a menstrual, you know, cycle or like just yes, getting yes, into yes. this space of uh, adulthood. And at the same time, my same parents would like completely switch how they behaved mm-hmm. where they would be like mm-hmm. nobody needs to know that you have your period we there is mm-hmm. a function at the temple just pretend like you're sleeping just stay at yeah. home you know so yeah. i was not allowed to tell anyone that oh i i am having my period or i wouldn't be able to say that i'm you know feeling uncomfortable or mm-hmm. any of that because if i did then it's just that household would make a big deal and then okay. you know i wouldn't be allowed to like say go to the temple and pray and i would be like kind of having to probably put on practices that you know i wouldn't understand at that mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. that 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 type the type of child i was being and mm-hmm. so to keep it all low my parents were just like hi you know just we're not going to tell anybody anything i just need you to pretend like you're sleeping i need you to pretend like um you can't make it to that event because you're tired or things like yeah. that you know and i think i would basically convert those moments into very um rebellious conversations because i would ask my parents questions like you know if god created all of us and we all mm-hmm. go to god for showing us the way showing us the light for being in mm-hmm. gratitude then why would that god deny someone who is capable of creating life that this whole mm-hmm. cycle is indicative yeah. that i'm preparing my body for a new Literally. a new yeah. uh, home to be able to create life and so my parents would just feel like what have we done you know why have we given her so much of a, uh, uh, you know and, and why have we educated her like this this is the kind yeah. of questions and then you know they i think that fear that my mm-hmm. my dad's family would inculcate the why are you exactly. educating yeah. them so much they're going to have too much of an mm-hmm. opinion i think i would see those traces of worry mm-hmm. in my parents when i was being very rebellious during the teenage years because mm-hmm. i just yeah. questioned everything and i felt that they were not prepared to answer them you know they 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 didn't want to because they were afraid that i was going to make noise or i was going to disrupt you know the peace or mm-hmm. you know and they were trying to do a delicate balance which i couldn't understand like for example you know in our community when a girl gets a period there is a celebration you know you call okay. everybody together and you say and my parents didn't want to do that because they were like nobody needs to know like this is your journey your body your and mm-hmm. i loved that you know and i look mm-hmm. back i think that was so progressive of them but yeah. then when they're back in that societal construct they are It's somehow different. trying to they're trying to navigate it in ways that are not authentic and i now have the maturity to understand that you know it was yeah. difficult for them they did the yeah. best that they could but i exactly. was making yeah. it very difficult for them because i couldn't understand and so i would just mm. constantly ask these questions you know and i think that the teenage years for me was a lot of that like wanting opportunity wanting to be able to do things that uh perhaps mm. you say you know you're not that that might physically hurt you or like i i was mm. very big on sport and you know it would be like uh, you you don't want to have scars or you don't want to get hurt and i would still be like i don't understand like why does that even matter or yes. academically you know i would be like really fierce because i was always a, like i was always topping in school but mm. i would compete with like a lot of these friends of mine who were boys and i would get yeah. really aggressive and then my parents would be a bit worried that you know you, you 
you don't have to express like that. You don't have to be like that. And so I think that was a lot of my teenage life where I was questioning things. I was wondering where did they come from? Where do these beliefs Mm -hmm. come from? Why have, you know, we agreed to follow some of this. And I think that that, that, you know, if you ask my parents today, they will say that she was a rebellious kid because I think they didn't know how else to term it. Happily. Happily. I, I just remember that being a very, um, a little bit difficult on them and mm-hmm. difficult on me as well. And having a lot of arguments and a lot of like difference of opinion. And yeah. I think in the, in the end, the thing I used to notice though is that like between my parents, my mom would have a, a way of handling it where she would just be like you know what have I done to have to deal with all this <laughs> oh my god again another one <laughs> my father my dad though you know he was very I think a lot of the curiosity and this you know wanting to work on myself I think a lot of that I also think genetically or, or watching him is how mm. I probably got influenced because he would say these things that were kind of contradictory and yes. we would get into an argument but then he would sleep over it you know and the next day or two days later he mm. would come back and and have a conversation where mm. he's trying to meet mm. me halfway or try to understand and I think that's because he he liked questioning himself he liked yeah. you know thinking it through and yeah. so I always felt eventually I would feel like I am being heard or we are in mm. this conversation but I don't think I always felt that um, I could be me. That was for sure. I think with the teenagers, I realized that, uh, you know, there was a lot of awareness that who I was becoming was kind of misfitting to what mm. a good woman or a good woman in this world looks Supposed like. Yeah, you know, and, yes. and I was not meeting those standards. So yes. I think that's when those seeds started to get planted of exactly. not feeling good enough, being rebellious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe wanting to, uh, wanting to be grateful to people who mm-hmm. appreciated me for being the things that I was. You. So yes. I think it just, it, it became like, you know, there were these new character traits that were coming into play because just being me was not welcome. It was not, enough. it was not, it was not enough and it was not well received. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did feel feel that I think I started to feel that weight from that time onwards mm-hmm. yeah and that and that, that was... is a oof, that is a heavy that is a heavy yeah. bargain that teenagehood brings as well yeah. because it's a that delicate period that it's it links our childhood to our adulthood but everyone is trying to make us fit into something that we're not yeah um because everyone is it makes it easier for everyone mm. else to just fit in and uh, you know just yeah. go along with the play you know but yes. then here comes <laughs> Suchi back with all the questions <laughs> challenging every status quo <laughs> it's uh yeah. but that, that speaks a lot of your character and also I guess that's the thing that has got us to where we are in terms of the the wave of getting better and like you said even for your father always questioning yeah. and questioning and questioning it's Definitely. what actually gets you to understand who you truly are minus yeah. all the societal uh, adjective or labels that we we have to attach to ourselves in order to, to show to up in society so that is a uh, 
Wow, that is a very interesting, uh, interesting way. And how were you able to, because obviously this now grows into uh, the the thing that we were talking about uh, in our previous conversation, like the burnout and also how you then went into the workplace. So how how did that grow and how did that then crush down um, your life? So I guess the blessing in disguise there. No, you know, so very interestingly, I would say that, um, you know, so anyways, being Indian, I have to, I have to tell you that mm-hmm. there are only a few career choices back then when I was getting to go to school or to university, you know, I, okay. I either yeah. had the choice of being an engineer or a doctor <laughs> or a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, they did introduce being a chartered accountant. They said, you know, that was also an option for me. And otherwise, okay. it just okay. implied that I've basically become a failure because I'm unable to Ooh. take, you know, academically be able to become mm-hmm. anything, like take myself mm-hmm. through a journey where I can provide myself and I can live a good life. And so I yeah. have to choose between these four different options or choose to agree that I am a failure. Mm-hmm. And I, I generally have always been very competitive. So it was impossible for me to be like oh i'm gonna go choose option number five no but i was also very no way you know and and i also to tell you that it was so deep-rooted that Mm -hmm. failure was uh, just not an option for me like Mm -hmm. the way my parents were bringing us up it was not an option but Mm -hmm. if i look back with this question susan i also think that i probably added on to what I was already brought up in the environment that I was mm, because okay. of the because of the the you know this constant reminder that my parents have two ch- girl children and mm. um, you know it's just the, the possibility of them being a burden and uh, and what they're mm. doing what my parents were doing with me is going to definitely backfire I felt mm. even more the pressure that there's no way yes. I can fail I absolutely yes, yes, have yes. no room to fail. I am going mm. to have to carry this torch and make Improve my parents' effort. Yeah, because this is when their effort and their fight makes sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think I carried that extra. So, you know, then it helped that I am competitive. It helped that I was very uh, analytical. I was really good at math, really good at science. I was constantly like topping in school. So I kind of took that and decided, you know, I, I'd like to be an engineer. And at that time around, like getting into computer science was really mm-hmm. um, almost like a trend, I would say. But I was really good at programming and really good at like writing out puzzles and solving them. So I just, I don't think I had a deeper understanding of what is passion. I just was like, yeah. I'm fantastic at this. It makes me so excited. Like when I'm, you know, cracking a piece of code i just feel like oh wow you know i've just i've just discovered i don't know electricity or something like that so i just (laughs) took the two and two together and i'm like you know what i'm gonna do engineering and Mm -hmm. uh you know in in that time like one of the i mean it still is a fantastic school but one of the greatest schools to get into engineering in india is called the indian institute of technology and mm-hmm. there were there are only five of the schools and they're literally like an equivalent of getting into Harvard or MIT. It's just okay. like insane, yeah. an insane process to get in top of the top and mm-hmm. really harsh, like really harsh to okay. get in. 
it's usually mm-hmm. a fantastic experience once you're in, but the whole process of getting in yeah. is just like layered and, you know, people are preparing for it since their eighth grade and you've got like so many wow. layers of getting in. And then you you also find that uh, like there's about 200,000 applicants in a year and only 2,000 people get in. So this obsession with have, having to get in, sometimes people attempt it for three years in a row, four mm-hmm. years in a row. It's just a very there's a very rat racy and a very like i don't know it's very a very well. very cutthroaty vibe around it but i somehow you know um had one of the i would say the lamest stories to why i decided to get in and it seems lame today but then i trust you me it was one of the most pivotal godfathery <laughs> moments when i'm like i've got to do this because it was just, you know, there was, there was, um, there's a cousin of mine, you know, on my, mm-hmm. on my dad's side, my dad's sister's son. And just after, I think the last person who got into the school, the next person who was actually slotted in line to be capable of applying to the school was one of my cousins. Okay. And he was, you know, everyone was raving about him and people were like cheering him on. Like he's going to be the next guy in the family who's going to make it and all the good stuff. And then just around the entrance exams or something, something happened. I think he wasn't well or something happened to him. He just couldn't, he just couldn't bring his best self and Uh it didn't uh work out. And then my uh, dad's dad, he was so disappointed, you know, his heart was literally broken and he was like, that's it. There's going to be no one else in our family who's going to, you know, ever be in contention. And But... (laughs) It must have been like 12 or 13. And we were, I remember it was summertime. We were on our summer break and we were were Mm -hmm. staying with my dad's parents and we were walking on the rooftop and that's when he made this comment. And I I remember looking at him and thinking like to to him, like I'm just invisible. You know, it just doesn't Mm. matter what I do. He Mm. just, he can't see me. And so I literally had that seed planted that I am going to get into this school and I am going to show you. And (laughs) (laughs) to be honest, I think today he doesn't even know that, you know, he was really Mm -hmm. the, the, that inspiring moment for me where I was like, that's it. Like, this is the clarity and this is the direction I'm going to go in. And so I, I basically just, you know, went full all hands on deck I went fully preparing for it and then I did get through and once I did get through I remember telling myself you know that I'm just gonna have fun now because Mm -hmm. that whole journey for those few years like I stopped singing I stopped playing sport I stopped uh, you know doing any of the things that I loved like I just was kind of studying all the time because you had your daily school and then there was mm-hmm. a whole other process to prepare for these engineering entrance exams. And it was intense. Yeah. I mean, not to brag, but to like give you a little bit of perspective, like it's the same school that Sundar Pichai was the CEO of Google. Like that's where he yeah. went to do his engineering. So it's just, okay. it's just yeah. a lot. And yes, as a yes, kid, yes. it's a lot of pressure to take on. And, you know, I was carrying yeah. this unnecessary burden that I can't fail because I need to show this granddad of mm-hmm. mine who I am and how dare he <laughs> make a comment like that, you know? And yes, so yes. I felt like I, the the way I had to live those few years in high school before I, you know, applied and got through was kind of very, very intense and stressful. Mm. And so I decided that once we get, like, I got in, I'm just gonna have the time yes, of my life. Yes, literally, literally. 
<laughs> literally go back to you know being a horse person that I that I liked so I went yeah. into debating into like jamming into like you know back into sport like playing badminton and I just nice. kind of allowed myself to like come back to yes. life again and yes, I was also yes. insanely proud you know that I was mm-hmm. able to do this and post graduating I got placed in this oil and gas company called um, Slumberjay and I just mm-hmm. worked with them I've been working with them for about 15 years now and it was just fantastic you know because I think the dream was to go join a fortune 500 company I had this insane craving from a very young age I think because of the yeah. way I was brought up to travel the world to live in different parts to constantly yeah. like I had this um passion to learn about other cultures you know I love mm-hmm. food I love understanding why we practice what we practice and yes. I noticed as a person that you know I was without being aware I was very comfortable to take on things that I felt influenced me from other people's other cultures and to let go of mm-hmm. things that yeah. I felt is not but I it wasn't awareness I was just somebody you know and that's why I would keep saying oh I'm a global Indian because I kept yeah. the things I loved about being Indian, but I started to release the things that I felt they don't make any sense and they don't serve me in any way. But maybe I would have a, a you know, a really close Brazilian friend and she shares some sort of a practice they have. And yeah. I'd be like, you know what? I really like that. And I'm going to make it a part of who I am. And working in this company allowed me to expand on that, you know, because I went and lived in different countries I made friends, really close friends from different parts of the nice. world. And I realized that, you know, we are culturally different. We have different languages. Mm-hmm. We look different. Mm-hmm. But in the core, we're we're all the same, we all the you same. know, yes. what, we're all yes. one and the same. And that, yes. I think that realization got me to be more excited with living a more mobile life. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I married someone who was excited to be a part of that, you know, who was excited to yeah. allow the the life to be that adventurous and to be like okay you know we're going to be flying here back and forth we're going to be moving homes every two to three years and it it made you know a situation that for me felt very natural as a craving that I had but wasn't conventional because all throughout that journey as much as I was enjoying Mm -hmm. the the ability to play out what my I don't know dreams were Um, I also constantly was reminded by society that included my parents, my closest friends, um, sometimes my own sibling that Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky, you know, to be married to a person who understands and allows me to be, you know, what I want. I I I also think, yeah, and you know, at that time, there was no conversations around why does anyone allow anyone you know it was very normal so I myself used to constantly be in gratitude that I'm so glad that I'm being allowed to get to play out the life I want or getting a full shot at life or I'm you know really grateful that uh, my partner allows me to do these things which according to society I shouldn't because, mm-hmm. you know, I would be yeah. told by my own male colleagues that your husband has a business of his own. Like, why are you even working? Wow. And I would have to listen to that, you know. And <laughs> oh, my God. Susan, this is like I'm in the U.S. I'm uh, posted in Houston. These colleagues of mine have lived everywhere in the world. They have mm-hmm. families. They have kids. And yet their, you know, narrative in the head would still it's be still that, yeah, I see you. I see you're clever. I see you have potential. Mm-hmm. But... 
is it really worth pursuing your ambition at the extent of having you know your your mm. partner have to do a lot of this extra work and you know moving mm. and traveling mm. and all of that and so i think i did what i wanted to do but i carried that shame that mm. guilt you know i had mm. a lot of friends who were you're constantly you're doing amazing in your career yes. you're doing amazing as an individual but you're always looking for that the one right you're looking mm-hmm. for the partner that yeah. is a universal i think yeah, you know every, every, it doesn't matter your <laughs> your trump or your you know whatever joe yeah. biden or your you or me we're all constantly we're yeah. looking for that, that one love that's just going to like change your life and so a lot mm. of my friends would highlight you know that you have an amazing partner why are you like rocking the boat so much and mm. i used to think that you know all of these dialogues they basically make me recognize that i don't have the right to be unconventional or to be mm. dreaming fully i don't Oof. because i'm yeah. still doing it but i don't uh-huh. because if i was if i flipped the narrative which took me many years to understand but if i flipped mm-hmm. it and i was the man yes. i was the husband and i yes. was providing an opportunity to my family to live in france and then in kl and then in houston and then in dubai and then in india mm-hmm. and i was elevating in my career in a space and a speed that was mm-hmm. commendable mm-hmm. and i am bringing in a, you know a lifestyle that is just mm-hmm. incredibly comfortable i think people around me would be like what a fantastic guy like what a brilliant yes. guy what a great catch yes. what a sexy yes. guy to be married to and yes. this when you flip it on to me was just like why are you being like this why are you being so ambitious what are you running after yeah. you have such a great husband like why don't you just slow down you know why don't you focus on making babies like mm-hmm. i had a lot of different things that were told to me and that was not very appreciative mm-hmm. or um celebratory of how yes. i was you know yes. so i think whilst i did these things those years i started to carry more and more of these invisible bags of shame and guilt mm. and misfit and a incomplete and a less of a woman and angry and mm. aggressive and you know also when i got into leadership roles it only added that you know anytime yes. i'm building teams and if i'm being aggressive and i'd be like Oh Suchi you're being so pushy or like why are you being mm. so agenda driven like smile a little like just take it easy and so i had all of that as well you know where mm. i was also expected to be help. like <laughs> doesn't yeah, help you know i should just i should just chill and i don't need to like be so you know driven mm. and running after whatever my then vision was and so all that together i would say you know that from the teenage years of seeing a lot of this patriarchal construct on my dad's side and then moving on to yes. coming into the the working world and also like an engineering school to tell to give you a little bit of number perspective like we're about 500 kids in a class like a class of like whatever batch we get into okay. and only 8 80 of us are women so the percentage is just ridiculous so it's like so you it's know literally out of 500 or 80% uh-huh. 80 women out of 500 applicants wow. like 500 kids that have gone in you know so again you're wow. in an environment where you're very conscious of the fact that uh, you are a woman and you know sometimes like you know see examples like we would have uh, you know like say our chemistry uh, courses where you have lab work 
and you know you're paired up with somebody and because of this you know very imbalanced ratio and also that you know we do live in a world where that that age it's like also a lot of hormones and all of that is running around yeah. so yeah. you know i'd have a partner at a lab and like say you're like pipetting together and the person would think that you're the love of their life because there's just one for every 10 boys so it's just oh you're sort God. of like you know in this yeah. it's not even 10 it's a completely wrong number but oh, one for every yeah, 40 boys and so you know you're sort of uh very aware of how mm-hmm. how much of a woman you are you know and you're yes. how objectifiable you are yes. and how uh you know looking at you and how you present yourself and how you you know carry yourself these these things are so heightened mm-hmm. because you're now in a very imbalanced environment and then you yes. wa- I walked straight into oil and gas and you know I would do things like every new job I would have a polo neck and wear scarves for six months cover yourself to yeah. cover myself so literally <laughs> make uh, only my job talk yes, you know this is what go. I'm capable of doing mm-hmm. and once I've established mm-hmm. who I am then I would let myself be mm-hmm. what I want to be because I really did love to dress up and I loved like after you get out of the phase of wearing coveralls all the time you're like get the heels out get the clothes out get the colors yeah. out you know to feel free <laughs> so I would repeat the same pattern with every new uh role that mm-hmm. I'm just going to you know not let my body be a hindrance in any way and I want yeah. to just let the job do the talking and then yes. I will establish that this yeah. is who all of Suchi is and mm-hmm. I think it's a sequence of all of these things that has actually compounded into me eventually getting the gift of the burnout because yes. when i look back i know that you know it got fast tracked in a year or a year and a half where i noticed a lot of the symptoms but i didn't know to connect the dots that this is actually a burnout start, yeah yeah but you know when i look back i think it starts like small it's seeds small, yeah, exactly. of healing yes. you know you're you're carrying these burdens and uh perhaps emotions that don't actually serve you but they're mm-hmm. small you know and then yeah. i think as time progresses because one you're not looking inward you're not healing them you're not mm-hmm. reframing them you're not doing anything yeah. to work with them you just yeah. carry and the bags are invisible but they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and bigger always, and then yes. the, and they i know and then there's also the real stuff that's happening with life right like say i did do things like constantly pushing the envelope constantly questioning what's convention and trying to live out a life that wasn't so i think yeah. those sort of actions are also heavy on you because you are doing things that have not been done before or you don't have enough examples to see people who have done these things before so you mm-hmm. carry the fear of failure you carry the fear of being called out or the fear of you know yeah. goofing up and then somebody telling yeah. you i told you i told you not mm-hmm. to do that uh-huh. and so those yeah. are the external pressures you face and then you work in a very very like male dominated industry you're constantly mm-hmm. worried about being told that you know you you should have never been promoted to that space mm. because you know it's just not it's a man's job and yeah, i was always yeah. aspiring for these like cutting edge roles in technology and you know i always carried that fear that i don't have many examples around me so i i i don't want to ever be told that this was a bad move you know we should mm-hmm. have stuck with that guy or we should have dropped back that person yeah and i think all of those external and internal you know um 
like dilemmas. dilemmas that you are just you're yeah. just navigating life and you let mm-hmm. them be and they just grow into bigger and bigger bubbles that at some point you know 10 years down the line or 12 years down the line it just manifests as a burnout because mm-hmm. you are not ever looking within you're mm-hmm. just yes. letting them be and letting them grow yes. and you think that they're all a part of who you are the shame and the guilt mm-hmm. and the you know feeling like an imposter or feeling like a perfectionist or a fear yeah. of failure or yeah. you just assume that all of this yeah. is you the misfitting the not good enough the you know being a woman but never being yeah. a good woman and things like that i think you don't address them the way they should be you don't mm-hmm. get to i didn't get to want to know me the way i should have and yeah. eventually you know i I kind of um the circumstances when it got accelerated I took a transfer from Houston to a city in India called Pune and I was doing mm-hmm. this uh project or this this role where I was trying to build a a new tech team of excellence for advanced analytics so it's primarily like AI and machine learning and like Chinese stuff. to me but <laughs> oh, sorry so it's just you know a team where we were basically taking data and trying to solve mm-hmm. really interesting problems across the company okay. and mm-hmm. uh, so that we had to build you know a team that was a mixed set of expertise so you had the really technical people the business people and then the bridge you know people who could do the job in between like your coding your testing and all of the good stuff and mm-hmm. so in that role i i had to do a lot of people management work and a lot of recruitment and things like that and i noticed that when i moved to a new location i was doing a little bit of long distance with my husband because he was in dubai and i'm in pune it was a 2 hour flight wow. so it was like wow. he flies in every weekend yeah. it was a bit of a different orientation to how yeah. we normally operated and then uh, all my friends i left behind my friends my sister in houston because mm-hmm. i had a really nice a really great like i would say community you know like i had built uh-huh. amazing friendships and my sister was like 7 minutes away from me and so it's quite incredible and yeah. moved away from all of that and then i i immersed myself so much into work so that i don't feel the emotions of being you know mm. like oh i'm feeling like i i don't have a a sense of belonging i don't have people to hang out with and mm-hmm. and those moments i was numbing the feelings but i started to recognize that you know instead of being me i i started to become recluse like mm-hmm. i didn't like the idea of being with people i didn't want to hang out with people i wanted to have uh you know moments where just nobody can find me yes and then i started to feel very restless like it wouldn't take much for me to want to burst out at you saying can't you just make that decision on your own that sort of a response you know but i think it was just exhausting yeah. for me to even think and plan and i i kind of noticed that i am behaving differently but i didn't want to do anything about it because again i had that that voice in my head that said what are you exhausted from what are you feeling so restless everything about everything is great yeah everything is great what are you complaining <laughs> about and i was at yeah. that space in my career where the next role was sort of getting me closer to what my then five year plan was and so i'm like i just have to go you know all all hands on deck with my head like deep down just focus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then i would find that you know i i sometimes would like cancel meetings on a on a on a friday evening 
to sleep for like eight hours and I would wake up on a Saturday morning still feeling like a truck has hit me and I'm so exhausted. And I knew something was off. And then I noticed that, you know, caffeine started to bother me. So I would drink Mm -hmm. a morning coffee or green tea. I would be in my office and then I would get up to walk and I would feel dizzy. Mm-hmm. and yeah. I was like okay that's a bit strange and I s- just basically decided I'm going to stop having green tea or stop having coffee mm-hmm. I didn't yes. want to dive deeper into why it happened and then it like went on to further and further like details where it was like I would wake up and I knew I had to go to a recruitment fair today so I would just like literally wear a bulletproof jacket mm-hmm. to be like just face the day so I would go mm. put on this entire like you know facade and then when yeah. I'm on my way back home I would just pass out in the yeah. in the car because I think it just I had to bring uh, this energy out that wasn't there it wasn't there and yes. eventually you know the body is so intelligent because I wasn't paying attention or addressing these symptoms I mm. just started to fall physically ill yeah. And I think it was yes. one thing after another, you know, it was an eye infection or it was like some sort of like, I don't know, lead content in my eye or there was a back mm. pain that I'd suddenly like got from nowhere or I had like uh, a nonstop colds that would keep coming. And I then mm. used to think that I do have good immunity, so I don't understand why I'm falling sick all the time. Mm. So I decided to go and get one of those like full body, well women, well woman checks and yes. you know i did all of the tests and turns out there was nothing i just had nothing to be worried about and then so, yeah. i i just know i completely lost it and i told the doctor that you know no i'm not feeling like myself something is off mm-hmm. you have to help me and yeah. then she was brilliant i mean lucky for me she said you know what we need to do a hormone panel check and so mm-hmm. we did a full-blown hormone panel check and my cortisol levels were like insane they just hmm. completely, I think, shocked her in terms of yeah. well, what the heck is this? This amount of cortisol in the body means you're just really running on flight or fight. But she did mm-hmm. say that, you know, she wanted me to do a 24-hour check. And she was explaining that sometimes you could have bodies where your levels of cortisol is already higher. So we did a 24-hour check and then it was the way my cortisol levels were spiking so that was indicative that my body is just basically now in survival mode and it's just acting like it's being on flight or fight. And yeah. so simple decisions are starting to feel a lot. Hanging out mm-hmm. with people is feeling like a lot. Dream. And it kind of added, it made all the dots connected for me. That's why mm-hmm. caffeine, you know, with running with so much cortisol, your body is just feeling like you're dizzy with caffeine because yeah. there is no need for any more stimulus. Yeah. It's already like running on a very jittery space. Mm-mm. And so then I, I just realized that, oh my God, this answers everything. So I think I eureka stepped out moment. of it. It's the eureka moment, you know? And she <laughs> said, she gave me a really good analogy and she said, it's like pulling a rubber band, you know? And you just keep pulling, pulling, pulling mm-hmm. until it snaps. And when it snaps, there's no elasticity anymore. And then she was saying, then you reach chronically stressed or you're chronically fatigued where, you know, you need need medication. You will need Mm -hmm. external help to be able to take care because at that phase of being chronically fatigued, I think, you know, even a decision of do you want coffee or tea or things Mm -hmm. like that start to feel a lot. So you do need to bring that bit of balance with 
some sort of medication that is available and i'm mm-hmm. sure you could do a lot of mindfulness but it's going to be a lot harder it's going to be a lot deeper and yeah. so that conversation i think you know and that analogy of the rubber band was really where i was like Mm-mm. i think i i, I fully woke yeah. up saying yeah. wow this is what has been happening to me mm-hmm. and i had this you know thought process in my head that i have lived a life that's been quite you know aggressive ambitious felt very alpha in my career and sort mm-hmm. of you know being able to take control of what i want in life but mm-hmm. i was thinking that if i am all those things then how come i couldn't show up for myself when i was showing a lot of those symptoms i yeah. just you know didn't want to honor any of it because i was like what do i have to be tired what do i have to feel restless about why am i being angry right now like yes. i really need to tone down this anger and i just had more and more ways to tell me that whatever i am feeling is invalid mm-hmm. is not yeah. right and so i think that you know contrast of thinking that you're this fierce ambitious confident uh, like i don't mm-hmm. know almost like someone disruptive boss lady then, yeah yeah and then exactly and then here you are literally so unbossing in your life because you've mm-hmm. gone gone and gotten burned out and you didn't even know to show up to say hey i'm not this is not normal i'm not feeling okay mm-hmm. i've got to do something about it so i think that's when it it kind of struck me a little bit that I don't really think I know myself and I don't really yeah. think I I have cared to connect with who I am and mm-hmm. I was you know thinking that if this was my husband or my one of my closest friends or my sibling I would have seen their behavioral changes and I would have been like are you okay like is everything okay like should we go and you know get you some help but yeah. i chose for me that you know it was not necessary i wasn't i didn't need to go down that path i needed mm. to hustle harder and work harder and you know just cut the crap and i didn't share yeah. it much yeah. with people because when i would share people would say you just need to sleep for a weekend or you just need to go on a vacation and so i felt even more that you know what like none of that is helping me so now exactly. i don't i don't know yeah. what to say to anyone it's almost pointless yeah it's almost pointless you know and so then this this analysis and this conversation got me to eventually think that i i have worked on a lot of uh projects and products that i've tried to deliver at an organizational level and mm-hmm. i was like i would like a small chapter that's about me and i wanted to take a sabbatical i was very yeah. nervous about uh what that meant and you know what message i was going to send at that point in my career because it was it literally you're at the pinnacle of being catapulted to the next yeah. level in the organization and i had worked so hard to get there and i was thinking again about a lot of those things and after a a while i think it just hit me that you know what if i did continue this way and i did get chronically fatigued or i pass out yeah. at, at the office you know people will care for me there's a lot of love and and admiration for who i was but yeah. i'm going to go to the hospital and life is going to continue and you know they'll find someone to do what i was doing and exactly. i think that's when mm-hmm. i i realized that in the grand scheme of things when i look back at life it should feel like i lived a life 
that was full and beautiful and yes. not that I lived a yes. life that was driven with fear, fear of missing out all the time. And that's yes. when I went, decided that, you know, I've been in this organization for more than a decade. It's been mm. as long as my marriage and it's been a really influential part of become, me becoming who I am. Yeah. And so if they are not able to show up for me, then it was a beautiful marriage. It gave me and I gave it a lot, but yes. perhaps it's time for it to wrap up, you know, mm-hmm. not all chapters mm-hmm. have to be the whole book. Like sometimes, you yeah, know, you have respect. Uh, it's mutual respect. And sometimes, you know, some characters in your life, they get to be in a few chapters, but epic exactly. chapters exactly. and maybe the remaining chapters, you know, it doesn't have to be. So I came from a place of yeah. love for me. And I made up my mind that if the if the person I was going to speak to understands, mm-hmm. then this is this this is an epic marriage. Perfect. And yeah. If they, if they don't understand, then they're not wanting to grow with me, yeah. and I'm going to make that decision. So, lo behold, I go and have this conversation, and and the, my then uh, boss who was report who I was reporting into, he just like turns around and he's like, you know what, I I I've been through something similar, and I took a personal development leave, and lucky for me, mm-hmm. my wife was able to you know take on. Um, the family expenses and she was her job was bringing in everything we needed and and he shared a lot of like you know nuances saying that he it also allowed him to empathize what it meant to be a domestic project manager Mm -hmm. because he had not really played that role before and now exactly so it was just so much more rich in his case and then he said he would recommend every seven years that people switch off for a short time Mm -hmm. because you really get to like build up on your creativity because you are running, yes. running, running and suddenly you stop and then you go yes. inward and you get to like calm the noise and think about recalibrating what it is that you want in your life. So mm-hmm. it was such a free-flowing conversation. But if I look at the build-up before, didn't have that conversation. I was just, I was just like, I know the realizing that I just made up so many things in my head and it, it was only when I came from a place of love for me that mm-hmm. it literally just was the most easiest and the most yeah. beautiful conversations to have that I was like, yeah, you know, I guess I married yeah. this this organization for the right reasons. I mean, yes. I saw in them what they saw in yes. me and this was, you exactly. know, mutual love. And yes. so I went ahead and took that sabbatical, you know, and I think that was my gift to myself to... Mm-hmm say that I haven't been there for me for all these years and yes. now I I want to and I called it Project Suchi. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> wow, wow. It's uh, it, just like you said, it's like these little seeds like and we plant seeds and we don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna grow. We we it, grow yeah. it. it. We either grow it or we we kill it and yeah. eventually gets to that day that's like okay now it's this is it you know yeah and you hit that wall and then you decided to bring that extra love and it just brought back this blossomy flower <laughs> uh, really? which is amazing yeah wow. and you know i you know if you think about it susan i think the way we're conditioned right and the way mm-hmm. that we're generally brought up and i think more so for women that we're constantly put into this scarcity, you know, this yes, mindset of yes. that, oh, you know, if if I'm not going to apply for that role, 
then mm. I'm going to miss out forever. Mm. If mm. Uh, I got that opportunity and I don't like go all out, even at the cost mm. of my health, then I'm never going to be called into that again. Or the the narrative would be that I, I told you we shouldn't have, you know, a woman in this position for whatever mm. reasons. So mm. there's, it's from a professional standpoint that way, but from a personal standpoint, take it as, you know, like I did these unconventional moves and I was always reminded that I'm yeah. testing my marriage, you know, things, mm. things could happen. And then if I was to, be in a difficult place it would be hard for me to find someone because okay, i'm a difficult yeah. i'm a difficult woman you know so it's difficult to be with a lady like this who's opinionated mm-hmm. and loud and wants to take up space and mm-hmm. wants a full shot at life and is not a good cook is not a good domestic project manager is what i really <laughs> like to call it not everyone's cup of tea <laughs> not everyone's cup of tea you know so in both spectrums of life personal mm-hmm. to professional you're constantly made to feel like there isn't enough. And mm. so you have to grab onto the stuff that's great for you because yeah. if you don't, you're going to miss out or you're going to lose yeah. out or you're going to get, you know, the 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 convention that you were trying to break, the mm-hmm. effort mm-hmm. is defeated because then the old narrative wins again that I told yeah. you, you know, that you're a woman, like behave. I told you that you're a woman, you shouldn't be in that tech role. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just not, Mm -hmm. you don't have the capability. So you're, you're almost always operating from a place of less than and fear and the Mm -hmm. fear of missing Mm -hmm. out. And I think it was this moment that I realized that, you know, I'm going to make this decision only out of love for me, Mm -hmm. because I, I had this vision, you know, that what if I did collapse in the office? And when I look back 20 years from now, is that how I want my life to play out? That I literally worked to the point where I knew I wasn't feeling well and I still pushed and then I collapsed and then I became, I don't know, you know, I reached a place where I needed different kind of support system vegetable and in in its own ways. And I'm going to look back and say, yeah, you know, but what's commendable is you killed yourself, even though you Mm -hmm. knew that, you know, you were not feeling okay. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's when I realized that if you're, if you're living like a, let's say an average of zero to 80 years in the grand scheme of that longevity, this is nothing. You're just giving yourself a period of six months to literally regroup with you. And, you know, the amount of time that we've dedicated to everyone else outside of us, what is that? That is nothing. And and, and how can how can I feel guilty about that? So I think, yeah. you know, this was this was a turning point in me, I would say, as a, a very a big move yeah. in not necessarily understanding self-love, but I would say one of the grandest gestures I made mm-hmm. of self-love for myself, you know, where yes. I didn't consult after a point, I didn't consult with anyone. I didn't share with mm-hmm. anyone. I just chose the few people that I know their mm-hmm. lives are going to be influenced. Like, I'm, you know, my husband, he's going to know that I'm mm-hmm. going to be hanging around the house like all the time <laughs> or, you know, yeah. uh, to talk to my then boss or to like a few mm-hmm. really close friends or to tell my sister, for example. But I I kept it really tight knit because I was like, I, I don't I think I'm fully clear why I'm doing it. I don't really need anyone's opinion. 
or mm-hmm. unsolicited opinion because yes. you're not walking my walk you're not in my shoes and you don't know mm-hmm. what it's like to be me and yeah. i valued my feelings i would say it's probably the first time i respected how i felt and yes. i believed that my emotions were valid you know the pain mm-hmm. was valid the mm-hmm. worry was valid the the exhaustion was valid it was real you know yes. and i think that's that's really where that's really where the pivot started mm. yeah it's like uh, you also got rid of the expectations that everyone has been put on you because yes. there is always first it was the expectations of what you should be as a woman that who you should be as a daughter then who you should be as a wife then who you should be as a worker and it's like all these expectations one on top of each other like there's no yes. surprise someone then just starts to crumble under it and it's so good I that know. you decided to make that choice to not let yes. yourself get to that point um yes. but actually give yourself the time to do it go before and that's something that i would advise to everyone like always always be aware of where you're at so that you can actually yes. do something when you still have the time to so uh that is pretty that's really really definitely. good <laughs> it's really really good nice. definitely you know and i think you know if i was to say uh, something that people could do without having to do a grand mm-hmm. uh, you know action like taking a sabbatical and things like yeah. that i would say you yeah. know to just honor your feelings you know if you're Always. feeling tired practice mm-hmm. rest recognize that resting is mm-hmm. a huge productivity toolkit that you should mm-hmm. have in your backpack if you're yes. feeling agitated then you know try to dive deeper at the end of the day into why why yeah. did i feel aggressive in that moment or why was yeah. i agitated so respect those you know difficult mm-hmm. emotions and you don't have to dwell in them and spiral into them but exactly. i think giving them the respect and mm-hmm. recognizing that they are a part of you yes and so you do want to understand you know where is it coming from is it something that i want to work on is it something mm-hmm. that i I don't really care about it's fine it is what it is or is it something that I just want to sit with and say you know I feel this way so I am mm-hmm. going to not go there I'm not going to do this to mm-hmm. to actually respect it enough to be able yes. to to be able to feel like you've heard yourself yes. you've seen yourself yes. you know yes. this is something that are just yes. daily tools that you could apply for you you don't have mm-hmm. to get to a burnout you know you you constantly show up for you in smaller ways and so yes. it doesn't compound into this you know magnanimous i don't know um event in your life where you're just like yeah. Yeah. how you say like bc and like before burnout and we should be like bc and ad and bc like before burnout oh yes yeah. <laughs> i can see i see what you mean yeah yeah those things you know but i do think yes. that if i if i look back i would say that you know from a young age being angry mm. if i had dived deeper into where is this coming from how is this serving me how can i actually channel the anger to be a productive you know emotion as opposed to holding it and walking with it all the time and you know so when when you're suddenly like the the buttons are pushed you're bleeding on to people that you don't want to you're oh, yes. you know vomiting yes. into scenarios that you don't yes. want to but it's actually it's basically culminating and it's now ready yeah. to burst out of you because you just yeah. didn't 
want to spend time right so sometimes yeah. you know now when i look back i think about it like there are situations when you've been in an argument or a discussion that went like fireworks just i just <laughs> see, my, see myself you know that i've been in a lot of like solo musicals where you just mm-hmm. have a conversation and you get triggered then you get insanely angry then you scream <laughs> you calm down then you cry and then you shut the down whole, and then yeah, it's cycle. now now can we have a real conversation because yes. you've literally done like a solo performance <laughs> of your own and the yes. person on the other side is probably just watching you and then just like oh my god you're like really scary and then uh, you come down to a space where you're like wait do you really want to talk to me now or you know mm-hmm, because this mm-hmm. is just what you've you've done to yourself because you yes. don't sit down and look inward and say where is this anger coming from mm-hmm. it is a justified mm-hmm. emotion but is it a justified behavior you can There take you a half yeah. minute to you can take that hot minute to look inward and say you know i don't want to be so reactive mm-hmm. i want to respect the emotion but i don't want to be so reactive so then you can dive yes. deeper into that space to be able to free yourself from yeah. holding on to that strong negative set of emotions and that's something i i really do think is an incredible way of navigating life to respect yes. all of your feelings and to give them a bit of time in terms of reflection and to mm-hmm. sort of little bit free yourself from you know holding on to them without kind of understanding yes why yeah. or where or yeah. even giving it a you know a, a perspective like okay i i do feel like this because of this but it's not mm-hmm. important no you know it doesn't mm-hmm. define me giving it a perspective yeah. shift that allows you to free yourself from that yes. emotion is also great yes Yes. it's just it's such yes. a it's such an important like for example once i did get the the start on the sabbatical mm-hmm. it was not a fun experience because it was very alien <laughs> you know i mean i okay. i will i will talk to you about it but one of the things i did during it you know was i noticed that every single day not having an agenda not having a structure mm-hmm. not having purpose not having mm-hmm. a team to navigate i felt like i'm not really sure who i am without my job title like i really don't mm. know what my identity is mm. and so i would go into this you know sensation of worry from the time i wake up yes and it would just spiral the whole day into this space of like darkness where i would constantly be itching to just go back to take on the next yeah. role you know like yeah. i had a mentor then who was waiting for me he already had a role for me mm-hmm. and then i had another uh, senior manager who was like you know what whenever you're ready just tell me i'm going to mm-hmm. grab you back and i was feeling this you know sensation of like i think i should just yeah. go write that email and do that and then i was like no i mean this was yes. probably one of the hardest decisions <laughs> i can give myself 6 months you know i could sit down and do this for me and so what i decided i came up with this idea that i'm going to slot the same time every mm-hmm. single day to worry so from oh, 9 a.m. to 11 okay. a.m. every day let's go free for full permission to worry the heck out of my yes. mind and yes. at 11 i would set you know at 12 i would set a session at the gym and i did get myself a, a coach then because i wanted to be learning to disrupt so i had to cut it off at 11 you know take a shower get ready and i have to go out and then i meet yeah. the coach and you know having this conversation doing like weight training or resistance training you're suddenly now present yes so i found that having that consistency every day gave me a bit of um 
comfort that I'm okay. allowed to okay. worry. You know, I get okay. to respect this yes. feeling. And then it gave me also comfort to know Try that I have a plan where I can't yeah. spiral into it all day because right after I have a physical activity and an yeah. engagement with another human being, which allows me to cut off that energy. Yeah. And then you, you do that for like two months or whatever, two and a half months. And suddenly your brain is not very interested in worrying. You know, it's just, it's, it's yes, like, I don't, it's like rewiring I, the whole thing. <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah. have much to be spiraling into. And I think yeah. you, because you respected that emotion after a point, your, your worries have been attended to, they have yes. been listened to, they have been respected. Yes. And it's another place where I recognize that honoring all of those emotions as a part of you mm -hmm. is important and yeah. definitely yeah. not dwelling in them to the point where it just takes away from who you are, but spending yeah. that, you know, certain amount of time to acknowledge, to maybe a little bit check in with why or where is it coming from? Yeah, and then good. disrupting it don't have to solve it you don't have to reach any eureka moments or whatever then you disrupt it yeah. and you know if it shows up again create some sort of consistency so your brain is also prepared mm -hmm. it's like oh oh 9 a.m tomorrow i gotta worry again so you know yeah. it's okay i'm right. okay if today my window is over i have a slot again tomorrow so yeah. you start to create a new pathway in the brain that's yeah. now the opposite of worrying it's yes, comforted, yes. it's seen, it feels yeah. acknowledged, it feels respected. Yeah. And yeah. I think the emotion got, you know, it got its red carpet moment. It's like, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And definitely want to pick your, pick your brain on that because I know that it, you're now also creating and putting together something that it's going to aid to also yes. attending to yourself on a daily basis yes um, and then we can come back and we'll definitely go into that Done. Um, <laughs> and thank you for listening in and as always we look forward to the next episodes while in the meantime we'll scroll below here on spotify where we can find the poll it's uh, it's an amazing tool for us to collect a bit of feedback but also uh, to for us to build a pipeline of individuals that would like to use this platform to come and share their stories and dive into different topics, you know, get the conversation started. So thank you so much for that. And yeah, I look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care.